Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. <laughs> What's up, man? Howdy, fellers. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. And welcome back to, to another episode. Another episode. You're going to notice that the next uh, episode at Base Fat Chad is above both of our names today because uh, I didn't catch it until I caught it. Kyle caught it. <laughs> but we were going live and we're going on the air in seconds. So I was like, you got to make like a checklist of stuff that we have to do. True. Know? Speaking of, go ahead. What? For, what are we, what are we oh, forgetting yeah. to say? I had that in my head. I was going <laughs> right. to. Um, do all of the stuff that you're supposed to do, like, comment, subscribe, get us boosted in that algorithm, you know? We got we to gotta, gotta get more views. Click the buttons. Tell Click us. All tell of us the right buttons. Yeah, tell us you love us for sure. Mm-hmm. Tell all your friends. You can, you can actually tell us that you don't love us too. That's fine. You can tell Kyle that you don't love him. <laughs> you can tell me that you don't love me. That's I'm I am honestly more than happy with that. Um, I was thinking that the other day, like you know, I've, I've been saying that I think that we should start doing the podcast live, um, so that we could potentially have like just ran. You know, like, we don't have to schedule something. If somebody wants to pop, hop on and we want to talk to them, we can. Yeah, you know, it's easy. Yeah. Good call. Um, but I do think that like. If you disagree with us, it would be cool for you to be able to, like, call in and, and you know, air your grievances. Yeah, but you gotta be, <clears throat> you gotta be careful about who you let on the conversation. Nah, you don't. Otherwise, I... we're just gonna be dropping people like, nope. So, uh, who cares? Uh, you have a problem with, if somebody came on and they were trolling us, you would have a problem with just, like, kicking them off? No, I just... You'd f- feel bad about it or something? I think I would just avoid it. Nah, man, I think... Screen the calls, Kyle, screen the call. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if we had someone to be able to screen our calls. That Jamie? would be awesome. Um, like, the Crucible's got a whole crew that does that shit, um, yeah. but we, we don't have a crew. No, we don't have a crew. Mm-mm. So, you know, fuck it, we'll just bring them on, and if they're trolls, we'll kick them All right, quick. fine, fair enough, fair enough. We don't, we don't go live, though, so it's not... We've done, like, one, two lives? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did one with Daniel once. Yeah, yeah. So, a couple. How'd that go? Fine, just like a normal podcast. Yep. It's just like, you know, because we don't do any editing, it doesn't really make a difference to me. It's just like all of my current favorite, like, YouTube shows and stuff, that's how they do it. And, you know, they do their, you know, prepared portion, but after that, they just open it up for callers, and it just, it's always, I most of the time, it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, I'm Whether sure. it's interesting or whether it's just, like, something crazy that happens, you know? Yeah. Something funny. Got to figure out the technology to make that work. We have the technology. We do? Yeah, dude. The oh. the thing we're looking at right now. Oh, that thing? That's it. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to figure out the right sequence of buttons. Yeah. <clears throat> but the re- correct sequence of buttons for you right now is like, comment, 
subscribe, hit that little fucking bell so you get... I'm not supposed to be cussing in the first five minutes, but... Uh-oh. Oh, well. Um, hit that little freaking bell so that you can get notifications for when we uh, post videos, when we go live, that sort of thing. Yep. It helps you, too. So, if you like us... Yeah. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it. Um, what's going on, man? What's new? What do you... What, would you, what did you want cold. to talk about? It's it, cold it is fuck. a bit, yeah. I don't like that. That's like a... That makes me... Like, the closest to a deist that I can be, you know? Like, there's a guy, but he doesn't fucking care about you. Otherwise, he wouldn't make it this fucking cold outside, yeah. man. But I don't, I don't really believe that. I, I've been starting to get that feeling from a lot of people um, that they're over the winter. Like, psych- yeah. psychologically, which we're is, done with it. Which is interesting, because it's been a pretty mild one. It has been, yeah. But still, man, the I second think, it gets too cold, I'm just like... I think it does good to you, man. Fuck that, dude. The vitamin D levels go down, then your testosterone levels go down, and then, mm-hmm. you, then you just feel like... When I moved up here, um, I think it was the first winter that I moved up here. That winter was brutal, man. That was the first winter that I remember like some kind of seasonal depression. Like, I need this to be over. Yeah. Yeah. The first winter you, you were up here? So, uh, before the winter before I moved up here, or maybe... I think it was the winter before you moved yeah. up here. Uh, when I was coming up here to, to visit my would-be wife, and uh, there was times where the freeways were so f- covered in snow that you couldn't see the lines in, in the road, even with the salt trucks and the plows and all that stuff. And I had to follow a semi-truck in the right lane just to have tire ruts that I could drive oh, yeah. in. And so I was, like, behind a semi-truck going, like, 40 miles an hour on the freeway for, like, 100 miles. How long did that take? Do you remember? <clears throat> it took a lot longer, you know. Yeah, naturally. I think, I think it may, may have added, like, an, like an hour to the drive. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was worth it to me at the time. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be now, but I was, it was at the time. I was properly motivated, you know. Yep. Indeed. Um, other than that, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, I got one thing. What's that? So, yeah, so... On the weekends, my wife and I try to do something fun with, with the kids. We try to make memories for the kids. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's kind of like like the kids don't talk to me like an adult, so I don't really know what they're thinking a lot of the time. But um, I, we had a parent-teacher conference, and there's like this journal that, she, that uh, my oldest was writing in every Monday. She writes what she did over the weekend. And the teacher gives it to me to show me like how well her writing has has improved like you can look at the early days you know what i did this weekend and weekend is spelled w-e-k-n-g or whatever and uh, by the time you get to the end of the year she's spelling better and all that but the point that i noticed wasn't that her handwriting improved although it did it's that she was constantly talking about all the fun stuff that she was doing and it's like i didn't ever even realized if if it sunk in if it made an impression you know because she doesn't talk to me she's a kid yeah yeah so th- that was my first evidence that she was like you know it, it was it was meaningful to her i wonder why <clears throat> that is that like trying to pull a conversation out of a kid is like trying to pull teeth sometimes you know it's weird isn't it yeah it's like they're there's some natural level of shyness to children a lot of the time yeah um and also i don't know it's like it's almost like they they don't know what they think, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, they're they're reluctant to think because they haven't done it before. It's yeah. like it's like they don't want someone to watch them when they try to ride the bike without training wheels because they don't want to embarrass themselves. Same reason they don't want to open their mouth, you know? 
that that journaling seems like a good idea for that sort of thing because if it's hard to do out loud in conversation it, it's good to get them like developing thoughts you know 100 percent. yeah so so anyway uh i say that just to say this weekend we were looking for something to do and the weather was shitty so what are we going to do we're like we're dying to do something outside I really want to take the kids down to the to the river so they can see like the stones and how beautiful and colorful they are in, in the water. You know, they're all big rounded um, uh, river stones and they're just, you can see the reds and blues in them. They're really pretty. And, uh, you know, it's like woods all around and then the Metro Park. It's beautiful down there. I want to take them down there and like walk, walk down by the river. And uh, I can't do that. It's too cold. So we decided we were going to take them to the trampoline park. Have you heard about this? I've have I've you, seen them. Yeah. Have you been to one? No, I so, won't. I refuse. So I went to one, but I didn't. I didn't join in the festivities. I was just a parent sitting on the outside watching the kids. Did your wife? My wife did. Yeah. yeah. But then, but then that was the first time we went. Last weekend we went. Excuse me. Yesterday we went, and I was like, I'm. There's no oh, way. I'm, there's no way I'm sitting there watching you this time because it looked like a lot of fun. So I joined in, and two things. I had a blast. Yeah, bad. I personally it does look fun. Personally, had a blast. Yeah. Secondly, I am sore up in my shoulders, and yeah. I don't understand why. Super sore up into my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what I was doing. It was like a warehouse size room, and uh, my littlest one wanted me to chase her and growl like a monster. <laughs> so she's running from me, and it's like a probably like 150 feet. Of, of distance and I'm just like bouncing bouncing chasing her you know by the time I get to the other end of the thing I'm like sweating trying to catch my breath I'm exhausted uh, it was a fucking workout yeah once we got bored of that there's another little area where you can bounce off into a foam pit there's a okay. bunch of bunch of foam bricks so how was that so I mean as you can imagine my wife and I are doing front flips into that thing and like uh, you know we're being we're being courteous we're letting the little kids go but as soon as there's an opening her and I are like you know, going. It was a lot of fun, man. I had I got like a tremendous amount of exercise where I didn't feel like it was work. Yeah. And I can't remember the last time I had exercise. I didn't feel like it was work. Yeah, that's good. I've never been to one of those. And like I said, I refuse not on the basis that I think it's like stupid or not fun, but I don't want to like blow out my knee or something, you know? No, that's a real thing. I, there was yeah. a couple of precarious moments for me out there. Uh, at one point, this um, this father, he was a little bit younger than me. I could tell because his kids were younger than mine. But he looks over at me and he goes, uh, like, I, I didn't say anything to him. He was a stranger. He's like, uh, we're, we're here for the kids to have fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> the kids, for the so kids. Funny. I'm like, yeah, for Absolutely. the kids. As I'm jumping, <laughs> smile on my face. Uh, but it does take a minute to figure out the technique. So for a while I was like, you know, not doing well. And then after a little while, you know, it's like, you know, after you, you felt like Superman. After you died a few times in Super Mario, then you get the hang of it. That's yeah. that's how I felt. Nice. Um, it's weird thinking like I do because I remember being young and I would do crazy things. You know, I went down like a steep hill face on a sled one time, and I you used to do like jackass shopping cart shit. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, no, I won't jump on a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna pull out my ACL. Yeah. It's weird, man. Yep. Yeah, Rory, uh, my, my youngest did get hurt, um, yeah. my, minor, but you can never tell if it's minor with her because every time she gets hurt, she's, she screams like she broke something, yeah. and uh, uh, she like tw- like twisted her ankle or something on one of those trampolines, and I, and I asked my wife, I'm like, first of all, you have to sign a waiver when you go there, and I'm like, how many people get injured here every month? Like, I want to know. People are going to bounce into each other. Their heads oh, are going to yeah. collide. 
they're going to sprain an ankle, you know, so, so, you know, it has to happen. It has to happen often. For sure. Their liability insurance has got to be ridiculous. Yep. Those places are popular now too, man. I remember there used to be like only one that I could think of. Uh, and now there's like, they're, they're all over the place. Those things are popular as hell. Do you remember when, uh, the mall where that bootleg movie theater was, we used to work in and we grew up hanging out at that mall. Yep. <clears throat> when they tried to re reopen it. So for the audience, there was this old mall. I think it was built in the early eighties or maybe the late seventies. The theater inside the mall goes back to the early eighties and it looks like that. And it's cool. It's one of those malls where like, you know, there were trees growing inside and like the roof was made of glass. It was like a, you know, it was cool. What would you call that design? That style of design is that art deco. Uh, when you say Art Deco, I, I I think of like really detailed, um, like sculptures and shit. Like, uh, is that Art Deco? I, I don't know. Art Deco? I'm not good with that like the sort like of the twenties or something. Real slow. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we're getting um, off topic. <clears throat> anyway, the mall. Um, so what they did eventually was that the mall lost um, popularity, and so the store started to leave. And what they did was they like divided up the mall into sections so it used to be one big open building and they built walls up and they broke it off into sections and it was like a, a mattress store you remember like a furniture store that opened up in pieces of the mall well eventually some investor bought it and tore the walls down and reopened the mall like it was in 1980 it was kind of interesting and they brought in a whole bunch of like flea market shops basically but on one end of the mall they made a uh, kids park. Do you remember this? It was a, yeah, yeah. It was nothing but like inflatable bounce houses and shit. Do you mm -hmm. remember that? Yeah, yeah. It was like a. It was like a like a fucking Macy size store full of bounce. What did you call it? You, they opened a, a what? A kids. Pl a, like a. I don't know what I called it just now. Yeah, no, but it, it's hard to. The reason that I didn't know what you were talking about is because, like you said, the stuff that was in there. It was nothing like official, like uh, like the trampoline park. You know, it's like a bunch of like random stuff that you would have at your house. It you was, know? yeah. Like blow, you know. I don't know. <clears throat> I think it's kind of a cool idea because they imagined that parents would be like getting their kid a pass, like a wristband, to go jump on the bouncy house, and then they're going to go shopping. Yeah. But it was like sketch because I wouldn't do that. You're not going to leave your kids in this like super unprofessional place. That's being monitored by a you know fourteen year old kid. Would you leave your kids at the 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 trampoline park? Not not, not at their age now. Yeah, but I'm, try I guess, but I'm yeah, trying to imagine if yeah if they were like they were like ten, eleven, twelve, and there was more than one of them. Yeah, that's true. I think about I like what we used to do back in the day. You know, like we were alone <laughs> all the time, just like walking about the city. I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about what the fuck was it? I can't remember the details, but. Oh, it was Michael Malice okay. on Joe Rogan. He said him and his buddy, when they were kids, they went to the um, um, Manhattan Aquarium or so, some kind of an aquarium in New York somewhere. I don't know. I'm not familiar, obviously. But he went there. He said it was a couple blocks away from his house, and he and his buddy, when they were kids, um, apparently Michael Malice has an interest in fish. He's got yeah, it's he like a hobby it. interest in fish. <clears throat> That's funny. So he it's said funny he, that I know that. he had a, a cup of water that he put salt water in, and then when he went to the aquarium, there was a low exhibit where you could see the fish, you know, from over top. And there was some rare fish in there that he wanted, and he just scooped it up in the cup. And he said his buddy put the fish under his hat, you know, on his head under his hat, so that they, just for a second, so yeah, that yeah. they could walk outside past security, and they put it back in the cup, and they walked a few blocks home. And he said it, it thrived for months and months in the house. 
but he stole a, uh, a tropical fish, an expensive, rare fish from from the fucking aquarium. And he was like, "Yeah, I, you know, I stole public property or whatever." Uh, I bring that up because I want to talk about thievery for a minute. Okay, if that's okay with you. I've got some expertise in that. Yep, some experience. When we were kids, mm-hmm. do you remember? I think I think that it was me, but maybe it wasn't. That's how these how these memories go. We went to the Chi Chi's. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. You know where the story's going? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. All right, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I remember. You'd clear up the, the holes. So when you walked into the Chi if you guys remember Chi Chi's, Chi Chi's was a Mexican restaurant, but it was a chain, popular chain for a long time. You walk into the front doors, and there was like an atrium. So it was another set of doors, and you're inside the where you might be waiting if, <coughs> if you were waiting for your table, but it was super cold outside. You have a little atrium to sit in. And on the right hand side of the atrium, there was like a display, and it had like a whole bunch of like big ceramic peppers and like yeah. Mexican. It was behind food. like a cage, like a wrought iron cage, uh-huh. an yep. opening in what I would call like uh, I don't know, like some kind of a plaster wall. Yes, and then uh, yeah, like a wrought iron, like shaped like <clears throat> you know, I don't know, my, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And we decided that uh, the openings in there were large enough where you could reach in and grab <clears throat> any pieces of the display you wanted, and you could just remove them and take them with you. So what did we take with us, Kyle? As long as they were small enough to come through the bars. Yes. Yeah. Um, you took a hot pepper. Sure a did. A red hot pepper. I don't know. I don't know if I took anything. I don't remember taking okay. anything. So it was like a large, it was like an oversized pepper made of, what was, what would you say? It was like made of like. Sur- like, pl- like plaster. Plaster, yeah. yeah. And we stole it. And then we, I don't know, even if we got back to the house before we destroyed it, we, we broke it, we destroyed it. It's like once you steal a giant pepper, you've got nothing to, what are you going to do with it? Destroy it. you got to see what's inside of it. you got to figure out, this is a giant is pepper. An actual how did pepper? they make this? Did they shellac a pepper? And that's how yeah. it's yeah. It's not rotting. I think that, yeah. So I just wondered if you remembered that story. I do. I do remember that story. Uh, that was like the odd scenario where you stole something and I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, because I was a little kleptomaniac for back a in little the day. while. Yeah, but it was more of a thrill-seeking thing. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, basically, and just like uh, like showing off too. Like I'd be like, "I'll steal this fucking thing." Yeah, you don't think I can yeah. steal this thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Do you remember, you remember how much trouble you got into trying to show off as a kid? Golly, man. It's a stupid thing. Trying to show off for, like, friends or for girls. God, man, just doing the most ridiculous stuff. Yeah. Look what I can do. And you, you think that the girls think... They don't fucking They care. don't give a shit, man. They don't give a you, shit. You have to be able to do something, like, pretty cool for them to care, you know? Speaking of doing something pretty cool, when I was at the trampoline park, there was one kid doing black backflips. Backflips? <laughs> that was a Freudian slip as a motherfucker. He was a little black kid, and he was doing back, he was doing backflips. He was the only one in the whole park doing backflips because guess what? Everyone else was white at the park. This little kid was dope. And he was like, he, he was probably like four or five years old, and he was just bouncing, bouncing. Next thing you know, it's backflip. Yep. And, me and me and my youngest are just sitting there watching him, you know, with my eyes big. And after a little while, um, I, we, I left the park, um, down where they, like, they have food and video games and shit for the kids and he was sitting there and I was like was it you doing the backflips? and he was like yeah and his, he had his like a little friend with him it was like a it was a strange looking kid like a mixed like, like a mixed kid, kid. Like, a, like a half white half black kid but the white side was ginger haired so it was like a light skinned black kid with loosely curly ginger hair 
curlier than like a normal like a normal white person hair, but not like a super uh, uh, you know coarse curls. A very strange looking kid with like a, you know like a, um, hazel colored eyes. And I've seen people like that. Yeah, before. just one of those anomalies, like just a, like a yeah. shooting star, or like a diamond in a rough kind of situation. Yeah. And his buddy, this this uh, the kid doing backflips. I was like, was it you doing backflips? And he was like, yeah. And I was like. That was awesome, and then and then the kid he looks at me and he he goes, I fist bumped so me. Funny. I fist bumped this little kid like That's yeah. Funny as hell, Keep man. doing what you're doing, man. Oh uh, yeah, he will. Yeah, he's gonna be like the quarterback of Ohio State or something probably. Doing you're back doing backflips when you're like two years old. I don't know how old he. You, you said know. what? How old? Yeah, he was, he was like four or five maybe. That's impressive, man. I wasn't doing backflips when I was no. four or five. He was doing it with ease. You ever fuck around on trampolines when you were a kid? Do you ever, like, I never had a trampoline, but I, like, ran into some people who had trampolines, you know? Yeah, I never had a trampoline. I have two memories of a trampoline. One of them was um, when I was a kid, my mom had a friend who lived out in the boons, and it was, like, uh, seriously rural. Wooded, wooded. Not like farms, but wooded. And we, we went from her house to the neighbor's house, which we walked to, and it was a stretch down, and he had a trampoline. And everyone was jumping on the trampoline, including my sister, and um, no, no, no supervision at all, no adult supervision whatsoever. And at one point, my sister um, falls on her f- face on the trampoline, which wouldn't be a problem. I was doing that at the trampoline park on purpose to bounce back up yeah, onto yeah. my feet. She did that, but she hit her throat on the on the, bar. On the bar around the edge of it. So she went face for you know, and, and and you know, she was coughing and and scary. Thought she was going to die. Yeah. So there's that memory. And I literally just told this story yesterday. Um, I had a friend growing up. His name was Frank, but nobody called him Frank. We called him Butch. His name was Butch. All right. I'm pretty sure at some point he grew out of that name and was embarrassed to be called Butch, but I called him Butch for the rest of his life. If I saw him today, I'd be like, Butch. He was like the same age as you? A little older. A little older. But not much. He might have been like one year older. And he had a uh, like Olympic-sized trampoline in the back, and his backyard was only big enough for an Olympic-sized trampoline. So if you, you went into his backyard, it was nothing but trampoline. And he had a balcony on the second story like we had at, at that, in that neighborhood. When you walked outside uh, out of the kitchen door, door in the back, you were on a deck, right, a story up. It was like that. Oh, so we, we would bounce on the trampoline, and we could, like, see up on that deck. Anyone ever jump off of the deck? Not that I remember, but I do remember, us, I do remember us having this conversation. It was three boys on a trampoline in 1990 three or something and we were talking about Mortal Kombat because why wouldn't you be because it's perfect it, time know, and place perfect time and place and uh, we were talking about characters we were creating them imaginary oh, creations yeah. of Mortal Kombat characters and Butch had a terrific idea and everyone agreed it was a terrific idea at the time you ready for this ready Santa Claus I remember that but he actually. has claws yeah and that's what makes him a villain and we were like, brilliant, Butch, Santa Claus. That's the most brilliant thing ever. That doesn't we're going to be millionaires. It sounds like something from, there was an arcade game that was like Mortal Kombat. It was called Primal Instinct. Do you remember I that? I remember that, yeah. It was like cooler than Mortal Kombat. Was it? Oh, I thought it was. Primal Instinct? Yeah, I sort of remember that. Yeah, the characters were like cooler. I don't know. I thought it was. I'm going to share a memory with the, uh, with the audience here that uh, if you're younger than me... It's going to sound weird. When we were kids, for fun on the weekends, 
one of the things we would do is we would just walk up to the shops that were nearby and we would just like loiter. We'd go, <laughs> we'd, we'd go into half price books and look at like, you know, naked ladies and the health books. And we'd go to like, you know, the, the grocery store and eat the free samples. And then we would go to the Blockbuster video. You guys remember that? Blockbuster video on the corner. And at the time, they had a Nintendo 64 and a PlayStation, the original PlayStation, set up as a display so that you could play the games. Because remember, you could rent the games at the time. Back in, back then, that was one of Blockbuster's next big thing. They're going to start renting video games. They will never go out of business. Never. So, um, so they had Mario 64 on the uh, N64 set up, and they had Tekken set up on the PlayStation. Tekken. And then we would just go up there and fucking spend extraordinary amounts of time standing in Blockbuster. It is just, crazy that they never kicked us out. Uh-uh. It's weird, man. You know how you know how long you can play Mario 64 if you want to? If you're motivated enough, yeah. you can play it for a long time, man. I, re- I remember one time I was staying that night at your house, and uh, it was me, you, and Brian. Yep. And me and Brian were awake, and you stayed asleep. So me and Brian just left your house and went to the to those places. And you, you were like angry at us when you got back, mm. like you motherfuckers. Yeah, I don't, I don't like you guys um, <laughs> beating, going into the paintings and beating all the levels without me. The pa- oh, oh, 60, yeah, yeah Mario sixty four. Yeah, no, I had no idea what you were talking about for a minute, mm. but yeah, man, you jump into the paintings in that game. Yeah. So, uh, did you see? That they're probably going to arrest Donald Trump on Tuesday. Yeah, I didn't really get or there's a chance the details will. on it, yeah. but I heard that they were going to arrest him, and I heard that Trump was asking people to protest. As that's where I want to go with this. Let's talk about. I it. mean, I so about the indictment, and I think that it's all bullshit. I mean, I no, nothing that they're charging him for is anything. That, like, in comparison to the other shit that's going on in this country that I give a fuck about. I really don't care. Right. What, what Trump did was some fucking whore. Like, who cares? She's a terrible whore, by the way. You pay them to not run their mouths. And she's out here... Running her mouth. Anyway, anyway, so I don't really give a fuck about any of that. Um, but it's not like I'm a hardcore Trump fan or anything because I don't understand why... After what happened at the Capitol on, you know, the day after January 5th, yep. uh, you, like, if you're a Trump fan and you saw everything that has happened to those people, why the fuck would you go to a protest for him? Even if you support him, he could have gotten all of those people who had consequences out of trouble because he was still the president. Mm. He could have done, you know, but no, he just, he just fed them to the wolves. That's... That's fucked up, man. That and now he wants them out there protesting for him again? Fuck you, dude. It's interesting, yeah. Like that shaman fellow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how much time... He got fucked. I don't, oh, he got super fucked. For doing nothing. I don't know how much time his sentence is, but I think it's a lot. I think it's like he, years. They made like a, a few trying to make an example out of him. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be in there that long. Well, that's what I'm saying. Then then the, the, video, the videos come out on Tucker about the, you know... The what actually happened that day, and all the videos are available, and they look at it, and they look at him, and they say, "This guy didn't do any of the things he was being accused of, and in fact was being courted around by employees, and nobody talked about that. It was intentionally obscured, and then they put him in jail for a long time. And you're right, if if Donald Trump had the ability to pardon him and didn't, that's not that's that's fucked, man. That's fucked. It's seriously fucked. 
It is seriously fucked, and I just don't understand why... Like I said, I don't understand why anybody who is a Donald Trump supporter would be willing to do that at this point. Um, and I think that that's kind of like th- the death knell for Trump. I mean... Think so? I think that... His Okay, so what I'm trying to say is that Trump's base and Trump are starting to go this way a little bit. Yeah. Um, and they have been for a while. I mean, I think that they still love Trump. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I do think that there are some core issues that they are diver- diverging on. One of them's the the stabby jabby thing, mm-hmm. you know, the preventative measures. Uh, Trump is still, he's like still pushing that shit. Yeah, um, because, he, because he was so involved in it, he probably doesn't want to. Yeah, that doesn't make me like him. Yeah. When you're wrong about something, you should fucking say that you're wrong, especially when people are dying. Yeah, very you true. Know? So I, with that kind of stuff, man, I would never have really considered myself a Trump supporter. Um, I voted for him the last time, uh, but I was never like, uh, that's my guy, you know? Yeah. Um, like my mom, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but... I, you know, I, I like loosely supported him, but I, yeah, no, I just like, I really, I, I'm not thrilled with that dude yeah. lately. I didn't, yeah, I, I it wasn't, at, it, at no point was it about voting for Trump for me. Yeah. It's all, it's all been about sticking it to the lips. Sticking it to the lips because they're out of control and have been out of control for a long time. The problem with that is that it's like, do you make a bad decision for your, yourself? to stick it to the libs, you know? Um, and I was with you. That's why That's yeah. why I voted for him. Well, if the consequence of... Uh, of See, I've got mixed feelings about this, and we talked about this before many times, but if the consequence of doing the right thing or, like, like you know, not coming down to the level of the people that you, you know... Um, whatever, that you don't respect. <laughs> if, if, not, if, if taking the high ground means that Hillary Clinton was elected last time... I was simply not comfortable with that. Well, then I think that I, I'm, I see what you're saying, but I think that then in that situation, voting for Trump is the good decision. You know, like it's it's not ideal, but it is the good decision. But it wasn't the only decision, and that's what I have mixed feelings about because my principles would have said to vote for somebody else. What was else. the other option? A libertarian, or you know, but that's not an option, dude. That's I know. pissing into the wind. That's, uh, but that argument still, I still struggle with it because it doesn't it's, have to be. It oh, doesn't have to be that but way. But it, it doesn't have to be. But it is. This is but, the reality. <laughs> yeah, we live I know. In. But what do we? But what is necessary to make it change? If if people continue it's to think like to. you just did, it's it'll not never change. To. No, no, no. That's not true. Uh, it will change. Things things change throughout history. But uh, it's not going to change that way. I mean, it's not going to change by wishing for it. It's going to take some things that libertarians are probably not comfortable with that I've become a lot more comfortable with over the last few years. Oh, it's so scary, man. Is it? I don't know, man. What's more scary is this continuing down this path that we're going down. That's scary. It is scary. Fuck that, man. <laughs> Do you not? But like, uh, Hold on. I want to talk about um, the protest, the calling for a protest before we get off that subject. Part of me... Likes this idea, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I mean. When Obama was trying to go um, go to war with Syria, and you know Joe Rogan talks about this as an example a lot, and the people said, 
you know, made enough of a fuss and said, no fucking way. And Obama was like, well, I guess maybe I won't go to, I won't do that. Um, popular uprisings, they don't have to be violent. You know, in fact, we don't want them to be violent. We want them to be an illustration of defiance, an illustration of uh, the power of the people, you know, as the check on power that they're supposed to be. Enough's enough. We're not doing this. That whenever that happens, maybe not whenever, but from time to time, I think it's good for the government yeah, to know. A lot of the time, nothing happens. People protest and nothing changes. Um, I would say that actually probably most of the time that's how it goes. People get out there with their fucking stupid signs and their pussy hats and yeah. nothing changes. Although, True. actually, I picked the wrong example there because the, the I, I should have picked some other protest cause because the feminist one's been pretty effective. They've been they've been good. Well, I've been listening terribly. To, I've been listening to that JK, that J.K. Rowling podcast that uh, that they're doing right now about all the her history and the stuff she's been embroiled in and um i think feminism is waning i think it i think i think that feminism is competing now with transgenderism and uh that's clearly the case with the turf discussion and what happened with jk rowling in particular being a feminist herself her whole life now being you know persona non grata to the to the, the young lefties yeah even the people who are fans of hers yeah i i definitely see all that but one thing that i do have a problem with and i think we might have even talked about this on the show is this thing where J.K. Rowling, who is an openly and admittedly, you know, liberal feminist type person, she says one thing that we that like the right is on board with, and the right's like she's awesome. <laughs> no, she's not. She sucks. Uh, I mean, you know, don't get. Yeah. I have love for J.K. Yeah. Rowling for for reasons, but um, as far as politically, and she's going to be an ally. No, no, I'm not. I don't. I don't see it that way. I, I just. I think it's. Listen, I don't know that I would agree with J.K. Rowling on uh, all of her politics, um, but I do I do love her art, and uh, the fact that she stood up publicly to the woke mob yeah. of young of young kids that are her fans that's it's admirable. That's admirable, yeah, yeah, man. It is. I, I, again, I I have love for J.K. Rowling. I don't think she's like some evil, sinister, whatever. Um, but yeah. I do, I do stand by my statement, though. I don't think that she's like uh, I don't think that she would help me get any of the things I want done done, to be perfectly frank with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe some, like, shitting on the trans people. <laughs> she, would, she would be okay with that. Um, but... She makes some really solid arguments about... about... <sighs> about... I, just, I gotta be so careful about how oh, I that, talk. Man. It sucks. Uh, Go for it. <laughs> she she talks about how men be, through this trans, transgender um, social movement, men are stealing from women their identity, their place in society, their uh, you know uh, sports um, you know teams. You know they're, they're stealing yeah. awards you from what's them. Funny about that. Go ahead. Do you, uh, do you 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 have uh, you go ahead. Oh, I'll remember for well, sure. It's just just something just basically that that she is standing up and making that point, which is a fair point. It is, it a, is a fair, fair point. point. You know, pen in that because I'm coming back to it. All right, come to it, man. Go ahead. She has this problem with men stealing women's identities, but that's what she's been pushing the other way around. She's a feminist. She's been pushing the complete flip side of that coin. Men, women can do anything men can do. Women, you know, blah, 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 blah. She's pushing the exact same ideology. 
That's an interesting perspective. But because it's women who are being affected, she has a problem with it. Yep. Yeah. Fuck that. She's not an ally. She's not your friend. She's a good author. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth, man. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, because she definitely seems to be more of a like an old-fashioned liberal. I don't know if her uh, take on that would be exactly what, what how you painted it. She might be one of those feminists that are like, you know, women women can do anything men can do and should have the opportunity, and like, that's it. And that kind of feminism, I can get down with, man. Sure, of course. I don't. Uh, I don't even I know why. Hold out why, on that, why you would even have to call that feminism? But you know, just fairness, just general equality of uh, of opportunity. So, can you lay out that position again? What you think her position might be? That that society shouldn't prevent women from having the opportunities to do whatever men have the opportunities to do. Okay, so we provide them the opportunity to. Be combat soldiers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm not. No. If a, well, I'm not saying that we. I'm listen. I, now we're. Now I'm trying to argue from my position, and I'm and I'm really trying to do it from J.K. Rowling's position, uh, which I don't know how how she would think about this, but I I don't think I don't love the idea of my daughters being frontline infantry. I don't think I don't, it should be allowed. I don't, I don't love that idea. However, if a woman can satisfy the same physical requirements as a man. If nah. G.I. Jane can pick me up over Even her so. shoulders and carry me out, yeah. she can be in the military. Nah. <laughs> nah. Yeah. No, I think because you, uh, yes, there might be a few who can do it. So why should they be disallowed? If you open the door up for them, the other ones will start. You can't, you can't do it, man, because you open it up and the whole fucking, look at the military, dude. Yeah. We got people in dog masks who are like generals and shit. Yeah. And, uh, do you not do you not see what I'm saying? Oh, I know. I see what you're saying. It, 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 you let in some of it, and it, it erodes the entire thing. So I I agree with you, but the thing is, if you if you kept to your standards, that wouldn't happen. It, yeah, I guess. But what, but what, hap- you, what, but but what happens is the standards immediately get undermined for fairness and compassion. Yeah, and that's a problem. It's a problem when the when the uh, you know the higher education institutions don't don't provide education anymore you know for, for for similar reasons it's it's a real shame man the standards continue to get lowered everywhere you look yeah and that's not a good sign and that's but that's like my argument it's like we have standards no you can't be a combat soldier no you can't be a firefighter no you can't be a cop um maybe you can be maybe you could work for the police you can do you know uh it's not like everybody who runs into the burning buildings needs to be the... Or, well, everyone who runs into the burning buildings does need to be... Then You need to have some grit. You need to be have some strength. You need to have some mental fortitude, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that no women have those, but those things are a lot more common in men, to be perfectly frank. Um, and, I, I mean, I was just talking about this the other day. It's like... In a, in a relationship, I do think there's some level to where, like, it, I, I'm trying to think of, like, a good analogy. Like, I, I don't know. If you are on, like, a private plane, you know, you're, you're, you're doing good. You know, you and your family, you've got a private jet, and the, um, the plane, the pilot has a heart attack. Who do you want behind the, the thing? You or your wife? I would be me, but I would, I would be, I would be me, right? Because I'm supposed to protect them, and that exactly, would, yeah, 
I mean, I'm not sure I could, but in that situation, but I would be the one that feels it, none, responsible. Neither of you have any piloting experience at all. One of you has to try to figure something out to, for the moment anyways. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like in the relationships I've been in, they would want me there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that's like... That like I, I, the reason I was talking to the about this is I was talking to my brother about like you know the dating world and stuff like that is like if you talk to a girl and she's like I want to be behind you know, don't be interested move on on yeah. to the next one yeah yeah that's how I feel too I'm like nope that's interesting because he is younger and probably wants to disagree with you oh he. I think that he's like coming around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think he's starting to see some things, um, but yeah, he's definitely more, you know, yeah, liberal than I am, more open yeah. and accepting than I am. It's funny. Uh, I've heard people say, m- mostly like religious people, but I've heard people say that if you're trying to pick a, if you're trying to select a personality type from a woman, <coughs> that you should look for. The types of personality traits that you think are going to go translate well into motherhood. Even if you're not considering having kids with a woman, even if you're too young and you're not thinking about that, you should be looking you should be picking the woman based upon what genetic quality she's going to contribute to your family and how and how well of a, a mother and a, a, a wife she'll be in the household, um, you know, uh, a partner. You're right, right? Um, you, yeah. you always want to look at that through the lens of, of her complimenting you and you complimenting what her and that kind of thing. What else would you be basing it on? I mean, I, I, All of the other shit that we always base it on. Looks and, you know, mostly just whatever sexual I appeal. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm different, but I've, like, obviously, you're basing who you're attracted to on looks and stuff like that. But I don't know if I'm going to be in a relationship with someone, I don't want to be in a relationship with a hot person who's fucking awful. You know, I mean, obviously I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody I'm not attracted to either. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're, we have the benefit of high, of hindsight here at our age. But when you put, when you rewind to your brother's age, like I, I just know that there's instances where like a, cr- a crazy woman, who is not somebody that you would want to hitch your what is it what is the expression hitch your, wagon. hitch your wagon to necessarily maybe she's just this the sex is too good and everything else goes out the window you know it's like i'm going to put up with whatever i have to put up with because you know because of the sex because you know yeah it, it overshadows rationality i feel like young men need b- better older male ro- Older male role models. That's what I'm trying uh, to listen, say. I agree, but I would ask one question. Would they listen? S- stuff sinks in. Even if you don't like, even if they're not 100% like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to apply that to my life now. Stuff sinks in. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be better to have to have them than not have them. Good, For sure. Good, you know, male role models. I mean... Preferably start out with a good dad. You know, that's a that's a great place to start. Yep. Uh, not not everyone gets that, though. So. No. That's another thing about um, the nuclear family and, uh, you know, and worse, what, what we're dealing with now, this, you know, this p- pandemic of fatherlessness and the, fra- the family just keeps getting fractured and fractured further. But people don't realize that the nuclear family 
is already a fractured model. It, it, you know, we used to live in tribes. We used to live in large family groups. And if you lived in a large family group, you would have grandfathers, uncles, other people's fathers, you know, uh, cousins. You'd have lots of other male figures of different ages. Yep. All of them around all the time. Examples, people to learn from. Examples of good things to do and examples of things not to do. 100%. You, know, you, get, all, you get all of it. And stuff sinks in. Like I said, it's it like through osmosis, it goes into people. Yeah. Something about... Something about learning from people's mistakes is powerful, man. Yep. It's the best way to learn. That's that reason specifically is powerful enough for me in my life that I will never take an opiate in in my life. I will never. (laughs) You know, even if I get hurt, you know, I'm not doing it because I've seen too many people destroyed by that. So, you know, being able to have that bad example it will help me to avoid that problem. I think it's important, man. I don't know how you build that. How you how do you build a network of of uh, you know father role models and and mother role models? You know, just by having a community again. That's know? the thing that my parents live three hours away. My brother lives three hours away. My sister lives five hours away. You know, it's like, yep, it's not good. Doesn't seem good. Nope. Very fractured. Trying to get my parents to consider coming up here. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to make that affordable and like easy because they're getting older and it changes hard. And you know, I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen. The biggest obstacle is, uh, I think, is uh, my mom. What's the obstacle? I could be obstacle. I could be just reading into this, but I but I, but my mom has got a certain level of pride and like independence that. Is important to her, uh, and she feels like she lost so much of it when she had to move out of her house, like the house that she lived in, raised her kids in, and you know when she had to leave that her castle. Now she feels like a drift, and uh, and I think that if she had to like move into an apartment, as an example, that she might feel like belittled. Yeah, like I lost my castle, I lost everything. Now you're gonna ask me to live in an apartment, you know? And like I, people, some people listening here may not understand why that has the flavor that it has. Like, first of all, if you go back to my mom's era, apartment people and house people are different people. They're, di- they're, diff- they're a different quality of people, first of all. So there's that. There's this perception of going back, you know, of stepping back into this lower, lower... Go ahead. What was no, that? I was just going to say, I think it's funny that you're explaining this, and I'm like, I don't need you to explain this to me at all because I completely understand yeah. what you're saying. But I'm, I, I know there are people who might not. Well, it's, it's, so it's like even here, like here where we live, apartments are nice. And, yeah, people who, and people who live in them pay top dollar to live in them. But where we came from and in lots of different places, if you live in an apartment, it's because you can't afford a house. Mm-hmm. And the apartments are shitty places, yeah. you know, and, and you know... It's like apart, apartment buildings are like the hood. And even if it's one apartment building in a nice place, that building is the hood of that place. For me, it's, it goes as far as this. It's like if you live downtown, all you have basically, I mean, unless you're like really wealthy, um, all you have is a, a, ha- apartments for housing opportunities, sure. you know. Um, and it's I, I don't I would never want to live downtown, you know, and it's not because of the apartments. It's because of more more than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting downtown because downtown it's you have basically no in between. Yeah. You have rich people living in 
condos and high rises, and you have a bunch of poor people living in, uh, you know, tiny, tiny apartments. Yeah, you know, apartments. apartments that are this big. There's nothing in between. Yeah, yeah. And every city's different. So like some people, like that's what I mean when I say apartments. Some people don't get because where they're from. Like even here where we live, that doesn't really mean anything. It's like apartments here means old people. It doesn't mean a rough a rough part of the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, or apartments like you know we live in the. They're pretty nice suburbs, you know, a little bit outside of Cleveland. And, it, I mean, there are apartments here, and they're nice. They're like, I, w- I still wouldn't want to live in them. Uh, I just don't want to live stacked on top of a bunch of people and have, like, a parking lot instead of a driveway. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want any of that. But that being said, the apartment complexes in our area, some of them are really nice. Really and I nice. bet you if you did live in them, it, I bet you the actual apartment – it. When you're inside of it, it probably seems like a small house. You know, it doesn't right. have the most apartment type feel. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's that kind of thing is in her head, and the idea of uh, having to move into an apartment to her seems like giving up some more pride. I, I could be completely reading into this, but that's just what I think. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they do, man. I think that'd be a good situation. I think it would be. It'd be really nice to have uh, have them around, you know, the grandkids and all that. But uh, more role models, you know? Yep. Yep, yep. All right. Um, anything else before we move on? What else do you got? I kind of have something. I, I don't know. It's, well, there's two things. One, it's not really well thought out. I want to tell you about, uh, this isn't well thought out either, but I saw an interview that Jordan Peterson did for GQ magazine. Did you see it? Mm-mm. It's a long interview. Um, they probably only published... Is it a video interview? Yeah. Okay. They probably only published a part of it for the article or for whatever they published. But I, I, the full interview was on YouTube. I was watching it. And it was an interesting one because uh, just like any interview with Jordan Peterson, it was uh, a liberal woman um, grill, grilling him. <laughs> Why do they always and, do that? And it's always the same questions. It's yeah. always, you know, and he's like laughing at some points about it. Um, why did I bring this up? Oh, um, because they, they're talking about... They're talking about feminism. Um, Trying to think, there was like a punchline here someplace. Um, oh, the patriarchy. They're talking about the patriarchy, and this little piece of uh, Jordan talking to this G- GQ lady about the patriarchy was so, so good to me, because she's talking all the liberal talking points about it's a man's world. Men are in all the positions of high power. They play the old boys game, and so women never have a chance, and people of color never have a chance. The old white people just give just it to another white person, and they just control the world. It's a bunch of verifiable bullshit. Yeah, yeah basically. That's her, that's her, um, that's her uh, summary of the patriarchy. And they started talking about that, like getting into the technical, what does that mean? And she wasn't prepared for that, and I was just smiling. I just had a smile, start to break out. I love when somebody finds himself in the deep waters, you know? In the deep waters, yeah. Like, oh, oh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and he asked her, he said, so if all of these men and powerful white men in these powerful positions, if they were replaced by women, would it still be a patriarchy? And I was just like... <laughs> yes, ask her that question. <clears throat> and she basically couldn't say no to that question. If the system was the same, being run by women instead of men, but the system was the same, then it, it to her mind still would be patriarchy. Yeah. So Did then, she so, explain her reasoning? Because the effects are the same and that's how you that's how you define patriarchy if if uh you know if 
the balance of power doesn't change and the system doesn't change. It doesn't matter who's running it. Even if all women were running politics and corporations and everything else, if it was all women, it would still be a patriarchy. Um, and so Jordan had fun with that. And that was it. Was, so if yeah, it's like a it's like a two hour interview. So you yeah. probably don't want to watch the whole, we'll whole thing, but we might. Did she ask him about that uh, that milking video he posted and shared? No, no. no. Uh, that's like my favorite Jordan Peterson moment of yeah. the last year. I think. Yep. It's like I just want to be inside of his head. Like, was he trolling? Like, I don't know. What yeah. the fuck is going on? It's possible. Yeah. Or he was duped. I don't know. Yeah. He doesn't trust the Chinese. <laughs> yeah, he does not trust the Chinese, man. But I don't understand how you could look at those big old soft bodies laying in those beds and be like, China. You know? Like, every Chinese person I know is pretty svelte, you I, know? I feel like there's, there's, like, you know, starting to become a lot of fat people in China, too. Yeah? It's just spreading. It started in America, and now it's just spreading in Mexico. And it's going everywhere else. Yeah, the, the fatness, it's literally spreading. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I wanted to talk to you about something we've talked about a little bit already, but I've been thinking a lot more about it. And it is, um, we talked about the idea, uh, we were talking about Orthodox Christianity, about the idea of theosis and uh, that being like the uh, goal of a Christian spiritual practice. And we talked about psychedelics and uh, Mm -hmm. I finished reading Alan Watts' book, The Joyous Cosmology. So it's got me thinking about psychedelics and religion more. Surprise, surprise. And, um, Was it, was it, uh, oh, it's the it's the idea of um, if you have a psychedelic experience and it opens you up to some, it opens you up definitely to possibilities. So you think you might there might be strange possibilities, but it makes you think things might be possible that weren't you wouldn't have considered possible before. And um, there's some there's some connection between my wanting to experience the world. As I, as if it is identical to the world of a psychedelic experience, to live in that magic every day, mm-hmm. and the conversation that you have about um, acting out the energies of God, like like they say in Orthodoxy, um, I just think that there's a parallel in the quest that's bringing you into religion, and where I am hung up in my own uh, journey. Um, so the question comes up is, can you have an altered state of consciousness or can you have a mystical experience without psychedelics? Can you have an experience of God without psychedelics? Um, and can you learn to see the world with the same level of magic and mystery as you experience in psychedelic experience? And is that related to living like some sort of a spiritual life? Well, I mean, we know that you could have religious experience or experience of God without psychedelics. We know that. Um, So do you mean, like, can you have it without some kind of, like, ecstatic ritual of any sort? Or what do you mean? I don't know what I mean. Um, Like, so if I have a a mystical psychedelic experience, there is a hangover. There's a little bit of um, um, artifacts that you take with you. Not much. It's like mostly it goes away like a dream. But the next day, the next, the week that follows, the month that follows, you have some little uh, differences in your perception. You know, like um, I can tell you that when I, when I had a mystical experience for a little while, I felt strangely different about, about people and strangers. 
it wasn't like I could ignore them. Like they just fade into the background. I had to acknowledge them as myself. It's very strange. Um, so there's little things that hang over in, into the following weeks or months. Not much, but something that makes me see the world differently. And people who are religious seem to have a similar story that they, you know, like I just imagine like Mother Teresa going around and she's, everybody she sees, all of the poor that she's helping, all the sick, she sees them all like Jesus. You know, to her, they're all Jesus, you know. It's like she sees the world differently and it seems related to what I was just talking about with like a sort of artifacts of the psychedelic experience that hang over, but they're not permanent. So how do you make them permanent? Is it possible to make them permanent? What does that mean? I don't know. It's a mystery, but I just wonder what what's if there's something to this. It takes, well, I think that you can do that, um, but it takes work. It's like not easy, you know. Um, like you said, acting out the energies of God. Well, that's you know, like you said, it's acting out. You actually have to do it. You can't just um, say yeah. that you're doing it or think about doing it. You have to do it, uh, and that's that's hard. You know? Yeah. So what, <clears throat> I don't know if it has to be a practice, but it seems like all the examples are practices of things you can do to approach, to try to approach God or, or something, your, you know, deep self uh, in your sober reality. So some people are meditating or they're doing yoga or they're whatever. They seem to be doing some practice. So what do you have to do, you know? Oh, to, <clears throat> I mean, I would say that things like, meditation and yoga is while there might be benefits if we're talking about what we're talking about i think that it's retarded it's not going to help you to be perfectly frank with you um i think that acting out the energies of god love what is love how do you act love out I mean, you know, I know that you know the answer to that. It's a, it's a hard question to answer. It is a hard question, yeah. But even if you can't put words to it, you know, you know, like you, you acting love out is not not caring about people. You know what I mean? Right. Um, the act of compassion that isn't. Yeah. I'll, so I'll tell you that since I've been more serious about Christianity, I've been giving money to homeless people who ask me for it mm. because in the moment when they do, I feel like. I have to, you know, like I, I don't have to give them my entire paycheck or anything, but if this person is asking me for some change and I have some change right here yep. and I'm not doing anything with it. Yes. You can have some change. Yeah. I like that. Um, so yeah. And that's strangely, I feel like I've been getting asked for it more. I've been like on corners and, and just the other day I went to the grocery store and there was a guy who's like, yeah, do you happen to have a couple of bucks that I could get from you? Um, and I was like, I don't have any, all I have is a 50, um, but if I pay with cash, uh, I'll, I'll give you some money. And I, I chose to pay with cash. I could have paid with my card. Yeah. Um, and I get, you know, I just, I don't have the same level of, maybe the guy is lying to me. Maybe he doesn't fucking need it. But I don't know. I don't know. I just, it's fine. Yeah, you can have a couple of bucks, man. Yeah. So I, I like that. I think that means something. Um like you're being called, you're being called to charity or something, and that's important for you, and you should explore it. I don't think I, 
so much of my life I would have just said you can ignore something like that. It's a coincident. It's coincidental, or it's just a fleeting thought that you have. But I don't. I don't think that anymore. I, th- I don't know that anything is accidental or random. That's another very hippy dippy thing to say. But I believe that more and more. Like when I'm reading or talking to somebody and I bump into another idea or another author or something, I think that's on purpose. I think I'm supposed to jump over to that and follow that thread. <clears throat> I think it's all now and now and at this point in my life, I think there's there's something to that. Yep, I agree with you. And I used to be the complete opposite of that. Yeah. You know, just like a complete nihilist, like nothing. It's all just yeah. pointless. And there's no meaning. There's yeah. no plan. There's no organization. Here's another thing. Oh, there's a quote now. It's gone. Shit. It'll it'll come back to me. Well, um, it, since you took it down that sort of an aisle, we can go to uh, you released your David Patrick Harry episode. Yes. Yeah, so I listened to that a couple of times. Oh, good. Yeah, it was a long one. It went longer than I wanted it to It was to a go. long one. I actually have notes here. Oh, shit. So, okay. Um, you know, I just don't... Damn, he's got a big piece yeah, of dude, paper. It's, it's the back of one of the blueprints. From uh, look at that. Um, so, this is a big-ass piece yeah. of paper. Man. You just can't see it. But, yeah. Uh, so a lot of the stuff, you would say things like, uh, we are all one and love thy neighbor as thyself. You'd say that's an identical concept. Mm-hmm. And I do understand what you're saying. Um, you're saying that in your perception, in your worldview, it is a identical concept. But you can see how there it doesn't have to be an identical concept. Well, let's talk, let's talk about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it. So it... Okay, so the context here is we're making a comparison between Christianity and what David Patrick Harry calls psychedelic spirituality. So I talk about having mystical experiences from psychedelics, and they're not again, they're not all mystical. You can have crazy, trippy experiences that aren't mystical. But if you do, you come out of it with a lot of similar ideas to what you hear in Christianity. And so if, if you have a mystical experience and you think to yourself, all is one, whatever I am is is one thing with everything, you know? And then you hear Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Then I ask, why, do you, why, sh- why should you love your neighbor as yourself? Why do you think Jesus said that? Because I, I, I totally understand why you said it. Uh, but Jesus saying love thy neighbor as thyself does not have to mean that you are God. Does it have to mean that your neighbor is yourself? No. No, it doesn't have to mean that. I mean, I understand that you, I understand where you, but no, it does not have to mean that. What, so give me an, give me another uh, reason why Jesus would say love your neighbor as if your neighbor is you. If you're not supposed to think that your neighbor is identical to because you in some meaningful way. Because there is some similar element. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so you but, love your, love your neighbor as yourself because you both have a both endowed with the soul, sure, something. Yeah, I, I don't one hundred percent know what it is, uh, but saying that it like has to mean that. I just like I feel like you have you have this end that you're trying to get to, so uh, you're like uh, not like. 
not taking into consideration that there are other interpretations and things. Like you're lo- like looking right past it. So I can understand why you would say that, but I I don't feel like I have a conclusion in mind. And I can understand why it sounds that way because I'm enthusiastic about psychedelic spirituality. But when I and I heard I, I heard that scripture before I ever had a mystical experience. When I had the mystical experience, it gave me the context to understand it. I didn't know what love yeah, the neighbor as, the, as thyself meant. I understand that that psychedelic experience gave you the context to understand it, but it doesn't necessarily have to fit inside of your psychedelic context, you know? Like, I understand that you can plug them in together mm-hmm. and it makes sense, but it doesn't mean that that's what that means. That just means that that's what you're saying it means. I think we would both agree that it is a reasonable interpretation of what he meet, Jesus meant by it. Could there be another uh, meaning? Sure. But I would ask what that other alternative is. I think, that it, I think that it brings you to pretty close to the same conclusion. Um, you know, if everyone is treating everyone as if they are themselves, then, uh, you know, things are going to be smoother. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but that doesn't necessitate that everyone is literally the same thing. Sure. But do you think that Jesus meant if you treat other people like you want to be treated, things will be smoother? Do you think that was his message? Your life and social interactions will be better if you act, if you treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Do you think that was his message? Um, on some level, yes. I mean, I do think that the message is deeper than that. And I do think that, uh, like I said, I do think that they're, I think that you and I are like pretty close to on the same page. Uh, but I just don't, I think that saying love your neighbor as yourself, I think that it is, it is clearly like there is some common element in all of you, but a common element does not make us all the same thing. Yeah. I can see what you're sticking on, and I un- understand it. I understand it. I'm not. I don't really feel like I'm sticking on anything. I, I mean, I just don't like. I don't. I don't see either one of those interpretations as like obviously the right thing. To yeah. be honest with you. Okay. So, uh, fine. Maybe. <clears throat> and I, I'm completely uh, open to being wrong. Um, I do have a certain level of uh, like certainty about about it because. For me, it was a it was a eureka moment. For me, it was a, everything clicked and made sense. And it's not just this one instance; it's the entire tradition of Christianity. We can give more many, many more examples of it. We can talk about Jesus washing the feet of his apostles. We can talk about um, the Trinity. We Again, can talk about lots of things. None of that necessitates that everything is literally the same thing. So, let's say that we were. I don't know if there are more than possible interpretations than these two that we've talked about already, but let's suppose that these are two, two general uh, ways of going about it. Um, I, you might say that if Jesus was some sort of a social reformer, maybe he was, that, uh, that he was giving us practical advice about how to get along and live together and love each other the way that's consistent with his message, and it has nothing to do with... Um, a mystical unity, which I already have a problem with, but let's just say that I didn't. That's not my position, though. Just so you know, I don't. That's not my position. Well, you said earlier that it could have that meaning, like a surface, sure. yeah, like a yeah. surface meaning, absolutely, and then it could have a deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably true. 
that you can interpret it the way that you did. Like, be nice to people. It, it makes perfect sense. Just treat them how you'd like to be treated. It makes perfect sense. It, it does mean that. It does mean that, it clearly. Mean that. But is there a deeper meaning? I think that there is. And, and, and if what we know about Jesus and the rest of the story of Jesus and, his, and, and, and all of that, to say that the deeper meaning is something like a, a pointing to a mystical unity, that, that the reason you're treating your neighbor as yourself is because in some way, and I'll say that, in some way, he is yourself. If that is the deeper message, and we can agree, if we can agree that that maybe that that is, um, that maybe that's not fully flushed out, but we can, if we can agree on that, then if we can agree on that, I think that's probably enough. But but how that differs from this psychedelic spirituality, um, I don't. Well, psychedelic. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, no, it's okay. I want to Psychi- hear your. This is another thing that I have on here. I don't know. I got a lot of shit on here. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it is particularly. I want it. But any, anyways, I, I know it basically. Okay. How do you, if the psychedelic spirituality is what you're basing these ideas on, how do you account for the fact that not everyone has the same psychedelic experiences? Not everyone takes the same messages out of it. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is I don't base it strictly on this. You have to, you have to recognize, and I hope you will admit that I had a journey of learning and spiritual like exploration that's lasted. It's been part of my life for as long as I can remember being fascinated by the idea of God. And I did a lot of thinking and a lot of reading before I had a psychedelic experience that, that informed the experience. So, so I think the fact that I had a mystical experience rather than just a fun psychedelic trip was because I had all of that pre-work that I did. I, I, my frame of mind was, was there okay. to have a mystical experience. And yeah, I'm not saying that you haven't. I, I, I know I know that. My question is about you have your experience, mm-hmm. Tom, Dick, and Harry have their experiences, yeah. and they will draw wildly different conclusions. Yeah, that's true. I can't argue with that. But I can also say that there are similarities. There are consistencies across mystical experiences that are also almost universally uniform. And they are things like um, a disbelief in death, uh, the mystical unity, understanding that we're one with the process of God in the universe, and um, this noetic quality. This, this People say that they have this quality of it feeling realer than real and it feeling like um, remembering. It not being a novel experience, even though it is a novel experience. It's with that novelty, you get this feeling of going home, returning. Um, and even the crazy alien experiences seem familiar. Mm-hmm. And these are common threads that go through psychedelic experience, even though the visionary parts can be very different. The emotional attachments can be very different. Um, I don't think that, myst- that psychedelics are the only way to spirituality or God. Um, I think that they are, and Alan Watts in that book, DeJoy's Cosmology, said that, it's essentially, I'm paraphrasing, there is no difference between psychedelic mysticism and g- genuine spiritual mysticism, that the experience is identical. And if you, can, if you can get there through a shortcut, through psychedelics, I don't know what the, what the problem is, you know? I'm not saying that it's the only path, and I'm not saying that it's... That it, it, it's cut and dry and doesn't require interpretation because it does, and so does religion. It it requires interpretation. It requires, you know, contemplation and, you know, all that stuff. 
Um, but I think that it is worth noting that the ideas from mystical, psychedelic mystical experiences appear in religion, and they appear more in Christianity than I ever imagined it would. And this whole idea of conquering death, as an example, that Jesus is, is a symbol of, the idea of conquering death, is one of the paramount parts of psychedelic mystical experience. It's, it's realizing that, that time is illusion, that death is an illusion, and, that, uh, and, and your fear of death goes away when you realize that there is no end. There is no such thing as end. It doesn't exist. There, there's no end to you because what you are continues, and it doesn't matter if, it, that, if what continues isn't attached to your personality or memories. Maybe it is, but it doesn't matter if, even if it isn't. Because what really matters about you is this eternal thing that carries on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's consistent with Christianity. Yep, and shockingly, none of that is the stuff that I have any opposition to. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, my opposition comes to basically two points. It's the idea that everything is literally the same thing and that there is no... Um, distinction between anything yeah uh i think that a lot of the distinctions that we perceive are not what we understand them to be i think that that's truth yeah but i also don't think that there is no individuation because the other thing i have a problem with is saying that we are literally god i i just don't i don't think that that's true and you've even said so much yeah you know like i said at one point in one of the episodes like you believe that we are like literally the Godhead, and you said no, not 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 really. I don't think that. Yeah, well, I do and don't at the same time, and and I, this stuff is full of those kind of paradoxes. Yeah, and that, and I completely understand. Like, I agree with everything you just said, and I disagree with everything you just said. So, yeah. so I guess what I'll, I'll put it to you this way: this is the way I kind of frame it in my mind. When you have a mystical experience, you realize that everything is one, and that oneness is God. Even if you can't define what that means, that's what you understand. Now, if everything is God, and even most Christians will believe that because God created everything, and if, if God created everything from nothing, then what everything is made of is God's stuff. We're all made of God's stuff. And uh, so... Yeah. so so not only is matter and energy God's stuff, but the soul that makes me alive is God's stuff. And it's not just God's stuff, by the way. It's the spirit of God itself that was breathed into Adam. You know, it's, it's the spirit of God that makes me alive. And in, inside my body that's made of God's stuff, in this cosmos that's made of God's stuff, that's what I say, I am God and all is God. That's what I mean. I mean, God is made, the cosmos is made of God and animated by God. Now, that means that I am exactly the same as God. And it means that I can't possibly be. I'm, I'm, I'm distant from that unity in ways that I can't even imagine. And all of these boundaries that separate me from this unity um, make the world the way it is. Time and space and dimensionality and everything else, as far as I'm concerned. So I don't think in one way that I am identical to God in, in terms of the unity. But how can I say I'm not when everything is made of God's stuff and animated by God's stuff? Well, that's, I mean, that's, I understand where it's coming from. And I honestly, 
I have some sympathy towards it, uh, but I also think that that is a presupposition. Uh, you know, like we don't know, we have no idea the means or capabilities of God or what was around before, you know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't, it, it's not enough for me to be like, yes, the, you know, I don't know. It's just not, not firm enough ground to stand on for me personally. So what, what do you not like about this God stuff analogy? It's not even that I don't like something about it. I mean, like I said, I have some kind of sympathy towards it, but I just don't know. I have no idea. Again, you know, it says in the Bible, I don't, I can't remember the verse, lean not on your own understanding. You're like trying to put this into some context that you're going to be able to stand, understand. And I just don't think that any of us will ever be able to. I think that's true. I think that's true what you just said. And in some way, that makes every attempt that I make to articulate an experience of God misleading. And the Taoists say that all the time. They say the Tao that can be spoken of is not the real Tao. The moment you try to talk about God and explain it, you're misleading people. Every word that comes out of your mouth is wrong because it puts a constraint on an infinite and eternal thing that cannot be constrained. And I think there's, that's completely right. And every so every attempt that I have to try to make this communicate this to other people is misleading also and, and and maybe i shouldn't do it and i can't fucking help myself i, don't think you should I just want it. i i want to scream it from the top of a mountain you know i hear you but you got a podcast not a mountain so i so let's go back to this uh, being identical with god business because that's one of these things that that you have that you resist thinking that you could be identical with god so i agree with all of the presuppositions that we recognize ourselves to be other and distinct and finite, and God isn't those things. So clearly there's a difference between God and I. And I'm, I, okay, I agree with that to some degree. I, I agree with that. And then at the same time, the mystical experience, the genuine spiritual experience um, that you would have through you know, Christian practice is to come close to God. I use these words to come close to God, to be in his presence, to be filled with his energies or whatever it is. And uh, where was I going with this? Um, oh, it's like religion Religion will let you get close to God, but won't let you be God. And I find it, I find it funny when I read it and I hear people say it because they use so many different fancy ways of talking about you know, poetic ways of describing being close to God, as close as you can imagine, without ever saying that you are God. You, you have a hard time, like, imagining the distinction? I, I think it's funny that people try, people try to pretend there's a distinction. No, I don't they, agree with you. I don't, I mean, I think that, I, I can understand why you would come from it, where you're coming from, but I also think you're doing that thing again, where you're like, this is what I think it is, so it can't be anything else. I agree with you. I, the, where I disagree is when, when you say, this is what I think. And it's true that it's what I think. But I, I'm not basing the authority on me. I'm basing the authority on an experience. And I, it's the, the mystical experience I had. Who had the experience? God did. Oh, you? you? Well, in that moment, God and but I were. you did. In, so, that, in that moment, there wasn't a diff, distinction between God and I. Yeah, I, I understand that that's what you think. Uh, and I think that maybe there's some chance that you're true, but I don't, I'm not like, that is it. You know, like I, when I look at something like a quote, I am not, 
Like, I don't think that I am coming at it like, uh, no, it's the Bible translation and we can't have it any other way. Like, I'm, you know, like, I came out of uh, that psychedelic thing, too. I'm pretty sympathetic to it. You know, I think that there's a ton of truth in it. But um, I think specifically on things like the God, the, the we are God question, I... I don't know. I just, I, I look at a quote like what we just said and I just like, I don't know. It could mean that, but maybe it doesn't mean that. Yeah. No, no. I understand. <clears throat> Do you remember when I was, I brought up that Mother Teresa example uh, earlier and I said Mother Teresa learned how to see every, everybody is Christ. Everybody was Christ. Including herself. <clears throat> including herself. It's possible to like, to get to a uh, level of spiritual development where you literally are like that. You, you become a saint, you know, and you're so different from your rank and file human being that you see every person around you as divine and you're serving them, you know, like everybody is God or an angel and your job is to serve them and you can see the world that way and live that way happily. And that's just a very amazing, amazing idea to me. Um, so you can see somebody who's worked towards a spiritual development and achieved something great like that. And you you can parallel that to somebody like a Buddhist who who reaches nirvana, you know, who, re, who reaches this connection with, you know, the origin of things and uh, and comes back to, to earth and decides or comes back to their body and decides they're going to they're going to preach this message to others so other people can join it. We have this idea of a peak spiritual experience, a unity with God. And even theosis in the Orthodox uh, perspective seems to be something like that. And that is what I experienced in mystical experience. That's what, that's the best parallel. And I, you know, I'm still learning about this, so I don't know it all, but that's the best parallel that I, I can imagine when people say they have this peak uh, spiritual experience where they were drawn near to God or had a unity with God or saw the face of God and they, you know, their, their countenance had to, had to fall to the ground. I, 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 that's what I had. I had an experience like that. Sure. And so if religious practice builds up to that, becoming one with God experience, somebody who's religious and says, you can't become one with God, there isn't such a thing. Like that's the kind of resistance I feel like I'm getting from you. Do you think it's possible that you could become one with God through spiritual practice? Um, I guess, it, you know, it's like the Jordan Peterson thing. It's like, I guess it just depends on what you mean by becoming one with God. Um, because yeah, sure. But it, it just depends on what you mean. Um, I don't think that I have... I think that there is some kind of distinction. I think that there will always be some kind of distinction. Now, you know, like you were saying, all, all these Christian people who write about, you know, you're uh, as one with him as you ever could be, but you're not him. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's how I see it. And it's, it's more, more a feeling than anything else, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but th that's how I feel. Yeah. I think it's important to have individuality. It's important to be an individual. It's important to be other to the world. Otherwise, there is no experience. There is no, there is no existence. You know, we have to be other. Um, so you can't get rid of it. But that ego death experience that people talk about, that's something like the, the otherness going away. And you become, you know, all those 
divisions fall away and you realize, oh, we've been one this whole time. And I, and yeah, I, I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I have some kind of uh, issue with that too, because I've had psychedelic experience. I've had those kind of experiences and I don't know if it's like my current way of thinking, like coloring them, the, those experiences from the past, which, you know, those experiences from the past are hard to remember too. So, yeah. you know, they kind of get, get, they get a little hazy, but I definitely remember feeling like um, some level of my individuality was not as important as I was making it all the time. Um, but I do, like I said, looking in hindsight, I do feel like there was still a clear me, though. You know, like um, yeah, the boundaries were like a little fuzzier than normal, but uh, I was still even if I wasn't seeing things through my eyes because I was not seeing things like this desk, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was still perceiving things as me in some way, yeah. you know? So. No, I agree. I, I, I believe that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I don't really disagree with you. I, I think that wh where you and I differ here has to do with, I want to say semantics. It has to do with the way that I understand these ideas, the way that you you do, the way that we're talking, we're using the same words, but we're not always talking about exactly the same thing. Like when I say I am God and one with God, I don't mean that God the Father in a religious sense doesn't exist. I don't mean that. No, I don't think that's what you I, mean. I mean something like if all of the all of the boundaries came down between me and God, that what we what would be revealed is that we are not distinct things. We're one thing. That doesn't mean the boundaries don't exist and they don't serve a purpose. I think that's probably very true. That make me seem other than God. That create that cleavage in the amoeba. I'm looking across the dissociative boundary to see God as other. Just like I look across the associative boundary to see you as other. But if all of this construction fell away, that the truth would be, there are there is no distance between us. There is no distance between us and God, or between you and I. Um, I think that's true, and I, I and I'm saying I think it's true. But what I what I mean is, I I experience that. So it's it's it, I do think it's true, but it's more than that. I know it's true, and that's why I see, sound so confident. And maybe an experience is an experience, and I shouldn't put so much confidence in it. It shouldn't make me so confident. But it does, and I don't know, I don't know, I can't defend it. Have you ever had an experience that led you astray? Um, I've had a, I've had not a, a... Not a psychedelic experience. I'm talking about an experience. Sure, of course, yeah, yeah. So... Even the psychedelic experience, even that. I've had, I've, I've gone down paths of trying to interpret and understand it that I knew were wrong. Not right away, but I... Once I got far enough down that path, I'm like, this is, this is, it started to feel like I'm diverging from that, from that truth. I could feel it. I'm like, this is wrong. And that's how I navigate when I do my solo podcasts and things. Mm -hmm. That's how I navigate what, what I think is important for when, when, when I'm reading books. Like what catches my ear is what resonates with that feeling. It's what resonates with that feeling. It's like, this is something close to right. And I don't know yeah. exactly what that means. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate like, Utilizing your own intuition, um, yeah, 
in a scenario like that. I definitely know what you mean. Um, but I also wonder, it, it, is it possible that a person just ends up, you know, like developing an ideology that is only the things that they want to think? Yes, that's possible. I guess I've said many times that I'm I'm naive in lots of ways and I struggle with it, but at least I know I know it about myself. And I like to think that everybody is more or less like me, and so the experiences I've had are more or less like what the, you know ex- what's possible for other people. But I do think it's possible. I don't want to write this off that somebody could have an experience, powerful experience like like what we're talking about and come away with the very wrong under- interpretations because of their personality, you know. Because they're selfish, because they, um, you know, selfish has a lot to do with it. Because love, that's that's at the heart of Christianity and at the heart of psychedelic experience. It's all about sacrifice. Love is entirely about sacrifice. And some people are incapable of that, you know. And that has something to do with your giving that you brought up, by the way. Just intentionally sacrificing, just because. It's important. True. Um, what else? What else did you write down in, in those notes? That uh, I had something that I wanted to say. I can't remember what it was though. Um, so okay. So another thing that I have like some kind of there's like more ambiguity in psychedelic spirituality than I would like, and it has to do with morality. Mm. Because if everything is one and there are no boundaries, yeah, there is no such thing as right and wrong. Well, we, we kind of talked about this already, but... Uh, yeah, we've talked about it, and I, I mean, it's just like, that is still something that I can't reconcile with psychedelic spirituality. So when we, we talked about this the last time, what I told you was that uh, recognizing that, that you're identical with everybody else in some... In the most fundamental way, in the most important way, like mm-hmm. at the level of our soul, we're yeah. identical. Let's, yeah. just, let's just say that. That when you when you come to that realization, you do then treat others how you'd want to be treated. You do turn the other cheek. You do wash the feet of your dis- disciples, right? You learn how to love people the way Jesus says you should, because in the recognition that this is a Shakespeare quote. Remember when Tybalt says to Mercutio, he says the the reason I have to love thee, but yeah, he won't tell him why. Tell him what it is? Yeah, that that's what always comes to my head here. It's like the reason I have to love you even a stranger, even a homeless person, even someone who's just attacked me. The reason I have to love you is because you are me. And I think that's what Jesus wanted us to, to know. I, th- I, I, I have almost no doubt about it. That's what he means. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's where the morality comes from. The morality comes from the oneness, and it comes from exactly that statement, do unto others. And that's, in fact, that's what Immanuel Kant said, uh, you know, two thousand years later, or whatever he said, he said, uh, treat everybody as if your actions are a categorical imperative. Treat so you act as though your action should be a universal rule that of of behavior. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Okay. So how does that how does that transfer into real life when it comes to, you know, like issues of. Um, Sin in general, like, um, Mm. and the more complicated, uh, you know, 
if somebody is attacking me, should I let them? No. Now, this is interesting. I think I learned this as a parent. I didn't learn this before. Um, the way that the way that I love my kids most of the time is is great. Most of the time, it's good for both of us, and it's what it's it's pleasant. You know, the way that I love my kids is to support them and to just be in awe of them and to smile and be kind to them and provide for them, and that's great. But there are times when to love my kid means to spank their ass. To love my kid means to put them in timeout. To love my kid means to make them cry. Stefan Molina is very upset with you right now. <clears throat> well, <laughs> he can fuck directly off. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I do have a soft spot for Stefan, but he's, you know. He basically has fucked directly off. No. Where is, um, where is Stefan Molyneux? I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, it's just like, uh, so I was talking to my brother the, the other day, and I was trying to be encouraging to him, and, uh, you know, about, like, what he should should be doing with his life and it's hard to have that conversation with anybody because it's it sounds judgmental just off the just immediately sounds judgmental i presume to give you advice about what's best for you but i want to i want to be helpful i want to give uh give him that advice and i like i pissed him off and he like you know like the conversation ended quickly and after that and he, he wasn't happy with me but that was me loving him you know i totally know what you're talking about um if if somebody you love and care about is hurting themselves, you don't. It's not. It's not an act of love to let them continue to do that. Um, so I totally agree with you. Um, and if somebody's attacking you, there is no difference between that and them hurting themselves. It's like they're attacking you. You are them. They're attacking themselves. You shouldn't let them attack themselves. You know. It's like that is a weird. That is a weird like logic way. I mean, I I get it, but. I don't know, man. Um, so, a physical attack is not like that. That's pretty cut and dry, you know. Like murder, you know. I get it. Yeah. Um, and that is like that. That I do really. I I think that if you murder somebody, like crime and punishment, which I started reading again recently, yeah. that is bad for you. I Killing never, someone never is read bad. It. For, oh, you should. It's yeah. Fucking great. Yeah. Um, Killing someone's bad for you. It damages you. It doesn't just kill the person. So I agree with you on that. Um, but what about, uh, like, you know, everyone's favorite topic, including ours, um, it, like transgender shit. Yeah. Like, what about a person who is, like, you could argue that these fucking creeps who are pushing for children to be trans are taking your position. You really could. <clears throat> Explain it. Um, we're all one. Let them do what they want. Hmm. Ooh, those are two different things. We're all no, one. No, we're not all, really. Well, I'm gonna say that it is. Okay. To, to we're all one to let somebody because it's like this is like the cancer example that I think of. It's like if all of the cells in the body are healthy and doing what they're supposed to be doing, but you got one asshole cell that's that's refusing to go along, get along. The whole creature is gonna die because of that. Am I am I supposed to allow that? I don't understand why in psychedelic spirituality you have the right to tell them no. Well, I don't think I have the right to tell them no if they're adults. My my issue my issue with transgenderism has to do with children, so you know, I guess that's that. Okay, so what about 
an adult transgender person who is advocating for transgenderism. Mm -hmm. So I would say that what you... What right do you have to say, like in my situation where I want communities that can police themselves, what right do I have as a person to say, no, you can't be spouting those kind of ideas. You can't be like poisoning my fucking children. Yep. So if you think that... Uh, this is kind of subjective, I guess, but if you think... To love that person means to show them the error of their ways, which is true in a lot of cases. Then, you, then you have a responsibility to try to do that, um, but but you have to do it in love, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so as as long as it's not forced or violent, I think you have a responsibility to love them out of it, you know. And they said that same thing about homosexuality, you know, like pray the gay away and all that sort of yeah, stuff. I think there's, I think. There's more validity to that than people want you to believe. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, we've talked about this before. It's one of the more controversial things that we say. on. I think that being gay is a choice, pretty much. Um, And I understand why somebody who is gay would say, it's not a choice. I didn't make this choice. Um, Mm. It's because you don't realize that you made the choice. But you did a long time ago. And it's like you're so rooted into what you are that you don't even realize that it was a choice. Um, And I think that a lot of these people, maybe they are too far gone to where they're ever, you're never going to be a straight dude again. You're never going to be, you know, chasing chicks. Yeah. I think, I I think that you should probably be celibate to be perfectly Mm -hmm. honest with you. And I think that that's what the pray the gay away is. It's like you're not going to pray the gay away and be, uh, you know, a puss hound. Yeah. You know, you're going to pray the gay away and maybe you'll, you know, dedicate your life to something higher than chasing a dude's butthole. (laughs) I'm sorry to be so crass, but. Yeah, it's interesting because it's hard to imagine telling another human being that what's best for them is to sacrifice sexual pleasure for the rest of their life like so many people especially in this day and age um, there's some lines that are just unacceptable and sexual pleasure is a line it's like this is a this is like a basic human right you get to have an orgasm and you know to to, i think that's gay to be honest with you (laughs) but a lot lot of people do think that yeah i know i agree with you that a lot of people do think that and i think that's gay um i think that I mean, sex is good. I have not, I'm not like, like, I don't have a Puritan attitude towards sex or anything like that. But I think that the modern Western attitudes towards sex are out of fucking control. It's like, you're right. It's like pretty much fucking top of the pyramid. It's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah. Um, I do also think that sacrifice is hugely important. I think sacrifice is tied to this whole mystical conversation because... Um, because there's this I- image at the heart of everything that is self-sacrificing to self. It's like if you recognize everything is God, then everything you see around you is an act of self-sacrifice. You know, everything is. Everything is self-sacrifice. And so, uh, and that's love. That's, that's how you know that you're expressing love, is if you can give of yourself willingly, um, it's almost like you forfeit yourself. You exchange your selfhood for the selfhood of another human being, right? I, I, I lay down my life for you. That's like giving it to you, you know? Or like you're going to carry it on for me, and I'm sacrificing to. And that's what Jesus did, right? That's the image of Jesus, sacrificing his life, giving it voluntarily for all of us. That's the idea. 
Um, so I think that there's something important about sacrifice. I can tell you in my own mind, my own life, that when I learn to be disciplined and to give up things I love, I, I am happier and uh, healthier and more confident and all kinds of things. So what I mean is um, food pleasure and alcohol pleasure are, are, are particular issues for me. And I, ha- I go through you know times where I'm better at it than others. But when I'm disciplined and I sacrifice it successfully and I tell myself no and I have good reasons for it and I succeed, I am thinner. I'm in better shape. I sleep better. I, you know, I'm just be- I, I, my life is better. And still I find myself going back and refusing to sacrifice those things. I get it. I- so if you were a homosexual and you were asked, if you thought you were asked by the universe, by God, to give up what you love most, and that's dudes' buttholes. If that's the case, I think there's some... That's a sad existence, man. If that's what you love more than anything. I think there's something to that. I think people should experiment with sacrifice. I honestly think... I 100% agree with you because in my life, I notice the exact same things. When I have the things that are I know are not good for me, when I shun those things, I feel great. And then when I let them creep back in, I feel awful. So let me just let me just say to the audience, we're gonna this is a challenge, this is a call to action. Actually it's a group experiment. I think you should think for a while about the things that you love most. And that might not be a, an easy thing to do because some of that shit you're gonna be embarrassed about and it's gonna it's gonna maybe it'll surprise you. Think about the things you love best and maybe figure out which one you love the best one that's on the top of the list, give it up for a week. Just give it up. Stop jerking off. Stop eating no cake. No more dudes' buttholes. No more dudes' buttholes. Just whatever it is you love best, give it up for a week and see what happens. And let us know. Yeah. Let us know for sure. Um, We've talked about giving up giving up porn, you know, uh, from, from time to time. Yep. Uh, I was on and off that wagon several times, so, you know. I, I'm more... M- since I like started thinking about porn the way that I did, I've been much more off than on. But it, you know, you fall off every now and then. I, I'll tell you something about porn, just because why not? You know, how, like everything is. Um, there's a record of everything. There's a, rec- a record of all the places you've been, the searches that you've done. There's so much like, like, borderline shit in porn, like just commercially available free porn everywhere there's some stuff that's so sketchy in terms of like young girls and uh teens and all these keywords so are you that talking people... about the performers actually being too young or are you just talking about them being advertised being advertised it's like a yeah. story yeah yeah, yeah. exactly the, the reason i bring that up is because i like don't i i'm a concerned to even click on anything because i'm like now that's in the search history teen you know <laughs> It's like Jesus, guys, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a slippery slope. I on a, I, I I've said this on the podcast before. I think porn makes people gay. I think that you, you know you. It's mind boggling to me that somebody could say, you know, I just used to like, you know, I just used to like big titties, you know, like you know, booty shaking videos and. Ten years later, I'm into fucking BDSM. I want to get pooped on. You know, it's like, it's crazy to me that you can say that, but you can't say, I used to like chicks and now I like dudes. Yeah. You're fucking retarded if you think that that can't happen. Straight up. Yeah. 
I think it can happen. The question is, could it happen to you? To me? Yeah. I think that it could happen, sure. Potentially. I mean, I think that if you don't exercise some kind of judiciousness with pornography, I think that lots of crazy things can happen, to be honest with you, to lots of people. Yeah, for sure. And I don't... like. You know, I'm not like trying to make myself out to be like I, I'm, I'm fucking Chad, dude. Like, no way, I'd ever. You know, I, I, you know, I'll say this. I think that porn, on some level, has made me gayer than I was before porn. Because like, when I was watching porn, all the, I don't watch porn with no dudes. Yeah, I don't true. watch solo. Well, that's not true. I do sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I did. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority of it, it's male female. Yep. I, why do I want to be looking at dicks all the time? <laughs> that's one way. That's one way to uh, to to frame it. But I, I would say it's really hard to. Uh, the word empathize comes to mind, but that's not what I mean. Uh, it's really hard to put your yourself to participate to put yourself in the situation mentally to participate unless there's a, a man there. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I understand. That's and why it's always POV from the man's perspective, right? But I, I don't understand how that like refutes what I was saying. It, because you have, when you first started watching porn, you could watch a girl playing with her boobs and you it's enough. You betcha. 100%. <laughs> okay. So eventually you get to a point where you're like, I don't know, I need a little bit more. Yeah. And then what do you, what happens? You bring the dick in. You bring the dick in. And that's the first step down the slippery slope to being gay. <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm kind of serious. Oh, man. I, I think that that's, uh, I think that. They should do some psychological studies on that. I really do. It's interesting. So somebody on Twitter uh, told me that there's a big difference to their mind when I say I am God versus when I say all is God. What do you think of that? Because um, I don't mean anything different by those statements, really. Saying all is God is a... Saying I am God is a subset of saying all is God. It did the same thing. All is God includes you and me. What do you think of this? I am more okay with all is God um, <laughs> because I think that there is some distinction. Like, yeah. you know, um, even if it's like the tiniest distinction that you could ever imagine, I just think that there's some distinction. Um, you, I think that you could say I am almost God. You know, <laughs> I'm like close to. Well, yeah. that is what the, they say. They do say they're close to God. I think they mean proximity wise, mm. not necessarily like I'm almost God. But yeah, you know, there's something to that. So imagine being closer to God proximity wise. Imagine that. Imagine what that means is that there are fewer of those boundaries between us. Yeah, and that it's possible. I do to, think that that's what it means. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. When I say, you know, you know this better than a lot of people. Talking about these things is hard. You have to find ways to say things that like resonate with people yeah. and make sense. Yeah. And when you say I'm closer to God, it's not like God's over there and I moved yeah. three feet closer to Him. You know, yep. um, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do have less of a problem with all is God. Fair enough. I like all's guy just as it was just as well. Um, I, I think that there's something important about recognizing I am God. I think it's important. I think it's fundamentally, spiritually, critically important to at some point in your life realize 
that there is no difference between you and the creator of the cosmos. Even if you only have a moment where you feel that way, I think everybody should should have that. But that's not that's not what I that's not what seems to be true to me. I mean, I I think that whatever that experience is that someone gets, you should have that experience, but I don't think conceptualizing that as there is no difference between me and the creator. And I think that's actually something that's something that I have on here. Um, the creator and creator or the creator and created. Oh, so one thing that you said in that David Patrick Harry episode, you said that creator and creation seem like opposites. They do not seem like opposites to me. Really? Creator is the opposite of destroyer. Creation is the opposite of destruction. Well, let's, let's, let's use different words then. People, people think of God as transcendent meaning outside of creation. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I mean by opposite. Creation is something God is not. Okay. I can see... Wait a minute. Creation is something? Something. God. Something physical. Something material. God is not. So... How is that, though? Like, if you say that creation is something physical and God is not, but we're all made of God, mm-hmm. how does that happen? What it means is that what we mean by the physical is... is what we mean... In normal parlance about physical isn't real. So <clears throat> I believe God is uh, transcendent, like above and outside of the cosmos. And I believe God is imminent, which means in the cosmos or as the cosmos or both. I believe both are true. Mm-hmm. And Christians don't like that, you know, usually. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I consider myself a Christian, and I, I'll say that that's pretty much what I believe, too. Well, I think that's all you need. I think that's fine, then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like uh, God is transcendent and imminent. And here's my, here's my argument about it. Is, and I said this either on the David Patrick Harry one or the one that's coming out this week on Wednesday, that, that people— um, you, you, Your eyebrows went up like you had something to say, and I fucking— No, I just make weird facial expressions. Oh, um, oh um, People uh, try when they try to describe God, they'll say that God is the most perfect being. So things like that. They'll yeah, say you said that in the yeah, last the most episode. perfect being imaginable. Yeah. And so the argument I make is to be perfect means to be complete, means to be, not be lacking anything. And a God that's only transcendent is lacking imminence, right? A God that's only creator is lacking creation. And we have a choice. We can say, okay, then God is transcendent and this is something else. Or we can say that God is both simultaneously. Then you have a paradox which comes up in mystical experience. Whenever the paradox come up, I think I'm on to something. So there's that. Then you also have the idea that God is now complete. He's no longer missing creation. He's both creator and creation, eminent and transcendent, both. And to me, that is more perfect than an idea of an only transcendent God. Yeah, I see... I know what you mean, but like I said, I don't feel that way, and pretty much all of the Christians that I like am into, I don't think that that's how they feel either. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think they're wrong, but I think you're right. I don't think many Christians like this. A lot more Buddhists and Hindus think have no problem thinking along these lines. It's very Hindu what I just said. This whole idea of God being transcendent and imminent in Hinduism, they call that Brahman and Atman. They have words for that, you know? Um, and they don't have a problem understanding them to be one. And, you know, the the otherness, the divisions that make us feel like we're not one with God, 
those are what allow us free will. Those are what allow us to act and to be individuals and to have free will and to express ourselves and to be creative uh, the way that we are. Without them, none of that's possible. Being isn't possible. You know, the trials and tribulations of life aren't possible. And so morality isn't possible. You know what I mean? You need the separation between God and man so that there can be being. And there is no, there is no morality. There is no heaven and hell. There is no nothing unless you have the separation. And at the same time, you have to understand that the separation is an illusion. And all of this is not real in the way that you think it is. And you don't have anything to compare it to. And you're like, what do you mean not real? And then, and then you have an experience that is realer than real. That's the mystical experience. Then you're like, oh, okay. So real doesn't... There, there's levels of real. You know? Why did... What is the need for the distinction? Well, everything I just said. The dis- I understand yeah. that, but for God, what is the need for the distinction? Good question. In order to have being in, or, in order for God to also be eminent so is that just something that what God wanted I think that there are people who say that that God has appetites or um, God gets pleasure from experience and I think that's anthropomorphic I'm not sure I 100% agree that God wants that I think it's what God is I think God is infinite infinite and so God is con- 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 continuously expressing itself in new and novel ways in transforming so god just continues god is and continues and is always transforming and uh that's just what god is i don't know if if saying that's what god wants is true i don't know maybe it is but i don't know i don't have any feeling about that one way or the other what do you think of that i don't i don't know um just like Yeah, I, I, because if God does have wants, you remember the thing from the Jim Bob Ryan episode where Jim Bob was really dialing in on uh, does God have needs? Because Ryan said that God didn't have needs. Yeah, and he, you know, like he did with a lot of things, he painted Ryan into a corner. Yeah. Um. Uh, but I do think that there's something to that, like the the wants and the needs, and um, like, so there is a difference between. Your explanation that that is what God is, um, I guess, gets around that. Um, but I don't know. I just yeah, it's like gotta think about. Well, it I don't more. know. It's it's like I say God is infinite or eternal, and the question is, that means there's going to be more of God all constantly. There's going to be new experiences. There's going to be new <laughs> creation. There's going to be changes. But what what it doesn't explain is, is it directed? Like, does God move in a certain direction? Right. In a deus now, bro. <laughs> you turned it into Thomas Jefferson on me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of moves, but yeah, does it move in a guided direction? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think so, but you know, in uh, but in that psychedelic spirituality sense, I don't see. Pe- people will say that God moves through us, and I think that's true. I think it's more true than people who say God moves through us believe it's, what it. Does it, it is. mean? For God to move through God. Well, God, God, you could just say then God is moving. Yeah, you could just say God is moving. Yeah, God is moving. But But you wouldn't say that. Well, 
without otherness, there is no motion. Even motion is impossible. And I talked about morality and being being impossible, but even motion is impossible because if all is God, there is no point A and point B. There is no you can't move anywhere. You're you're in God. That's what the unity is like. That's what the mystical revelation is like. Being in that unity. There is no time in that unity. There is no change in that unity. There is no space in that unity. There is no being in that unity. That you need you need a division within that unity in order for you to have being, in order for you to have anything. And I think God acts within itself through us. So if all of the divisions, if all of the barriers that were up, that were up went away, mm-hmm. would God exist? Only God, yes. It would just be the unity, yes. And that's God the Father that, that you would you would say. Mm, I don't know, man. And then I would say God the Son is all of us, and the cosmos included, not just Jesus. But this is where I get super blasphemous, according to traditional Christians. God the Son in the Trinity is being. Something like that. Yeah, and the episode I have coming out next week is about exactly that topic. Cool, man. <laughs> I'll be curious to hear I what. I was gonna say something. Oh. I lost it. Just trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can keep you say what you were saying. I can think. I was just gonna say I'd be interested to hear what you say after this Wednesday episode comes out next week because I I only use scripture from the Bible to make the argument that. Jesus is not the only incarnation of God, but but that everything is. And that's like the most blasphemous part of the whole psychedelic spirituality, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And there's another thing about this that I'll bring up, maybe, and maybe you can remember while I'm uh, talking about this. The early Christian church had this, um, lots of different groups, you know, in the early days before it settled, there was lots of different groups, and some of these groups were called Gnostics, and I like the Gnostics. They have some interesting ideas. Uh, but the thing about the word Gnostic is that what it means. It means secret knowledge. You know? And so Jesus talked in parables so that people couldn't understand what he meant unless you were attuned to hearing the, the code. You know, He was talking in, a, in code. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, Gnosis. So, so Gnosis is secret knowledge. And even um, in the Gospel of Thomas, uh, it opens up with a line that Jesus says, uh, I'm going to tell you what has been what has been lost to the world since the beginning of time, or something like that. Like I'm going to tell you the secret of secrets, and I think that the secret of secrets is that all is God. That's what I think. I think that the that the Gnostic that the secret knowledge, the secret teachings of the ages, the perennial philosophy, all that stuff boils down to in the mystery religions and all that boils down to all is god that that's the secret of secrets and when we sit when we sit down and we and we meditate on and worship the symbol of god incarnate of jesus christ that that is a breadcrumb it's it's a breadcrumb then i get the then i get the image of a wafer and i feel even more blasphemous when i say breadcrumb in that situation it's a breadcrumb leading you to some secret knowledge Jesus is a breadcrumb leading you to secret knowledge. And I think that knowledge is exactly what psychedelic spirituality tells you. I don't think mystical experience is the end-all, be-all. I think it's the beginning. It's the beginning of a journey. 
just like religion is the beginning of a journey. I don't think it replaces religion. I think it can bring you to religion, actually. I don't know that I agree with you. I think that it will bring you to spirituality. I don't think it will bring you... I think that if you... I don't know, if you continue to... What am I trying to say here? I think that if you lean on the psychedelics continually, I think that eventually you are going to run into some sort of... um, like some kind of conflict that will not allow you to be part of at least a strict religion. What do you mean? I think that your like your ideas with lots of kinds of Christianity are not compatible. Do you see what you, you see what I'm saying? I, I can see why people would say that, but I would disagree with every one of them. Yeah, and I and, and I would argue with them like I did with you today. Why I think that. Like I, I don't, ha- I wouldn't have any problem myself belonging to a Christian church and part- participating in the rituals and being totally on board, until it got to the point where you had to, you know, like say, look, I understand that you are not necessarily going to be disagreeing with them on much, you know, yeah, but they will agree with you, and if you disagree with me, yeah, or yeah, if they they will disagree with you, and if you push back on that. You're pushing back against a core tenant of their religion. I disagree. You can disagree, but you're wrong. You know, like, I understand that you interpret it that it is not, but they interpret it that it is. Yep. So you're wrong. I mean... I'm wrong according to them, but I, but I hold to my, I hold to my position there. I would say that they're, I would say And what we're talking about is you being allowed to be a part of their community. Yeah. Okay. Would you would you disallow me? Would you would you disallow me to be a part of the community if I agree with what everything you're saying, just understanding it differently? Some you? people. I, I don't know that I would, but some people would. And I think those people are, are those people don't love me like they should. That's what I would say. Yeah. And that's critical to the religion. Critical. If you would if you would say to me, I I, I accept the tenets of the faith, but understand them differently than you. You got to go. I think that's Luciferian. I think that's bad. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't want to be the cancer cell that 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 upends the whole thing. But don't you see how you might be? No. You don't understand how... Look, I, again, I understand that you believe your yeah. particular interpretation of Christianity, but these people don't, and then you come in with your ideas, yep. and you do exactly what the women do to the military. What do you mean? You destroy it from within. How? You, by ruining their interpretation of it. I, so, I think... You don't understand how ideas shifting in a closed system, you don't understand how changing those ideas destroys that thing. If it, if it changed the core of it, yes. I don't see myself as doing that. I understand that you don't see yourself as doing that. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Okay, so, see, I don't understand what you're hung up on. Uh, I, I guess the question is whether I should be allowed in the community, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to ask myself whether I am a dangerous element, a disruptive element in that situation. I don't think so. Now, if I said, if somebody asked me, 
what, what do you think the Trinity means? Or what do you think? And I, and I tell them, and it's not exactly the same understanding as the, as the typical uh, Christian understanding. Um, first of all, I don't know who's right exactly. And so am I leading somebody astray? Maybe. Am I correcting it? Maybe. I don't know which is the case. You have to view it from within that closed system. I, again, I understand that you don't that you don't agree with their interpretation. You think that they're you know that it, you you might be correcting it, but from within their closed system, you are not correcting it. You're changing it. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I don't think that in that situation, I would be trying to change somebody's mind. I would only be telling them what I think my interpretation is. Um, I don't think that's wrong or should be, or should be, um, uh, like disallowed. You should be allowed to to speak your mind and your opinion. I don't think that should ever be off the table, but does that mean that I might be a dangerous element in that society? Maybe, but every religious reformer, Jesus himself was, Jesus was sure. You know, what did he say? Uh, I have, I have not come to bring peace. What did he say? But. I've not come to bring peace, but to bring the sword or something like that. It's just, you know, that's something to consider also. What? That that religious reformers are always disturbers of the peace. That teachers of philosophy are always disturbers of the peace. Always. You know? Not always. New new ideas okay, are no. always. Well, yeah. I don't know, man. I think that a lot of, uh, if you're not disturbing the peace, you're probably... Kind of boring, you know? Yeah. You're not doing much. All right, man. Well, that's two hours. But I, I just want to say, from my perspective, that I I don't, do not see myself as uh, believing anything contrary to the Christian message. But I am critical in some ways, and I don't know if it's fair, but I am critical in some ways about what the Christian church has become. And I didn't exactly understand this until you introduced me to orthodoxy. And I will, I will say, having delved into it a little bit, uh, I think orthodoxy is different than all of the rest of Christianity. I think it has something to offer that I hadn't considered and I wouldn't have if you hadn't brought it to my attention. Uh, maybe it would have popped up eventually because of the stuff I like. It probably wouldn't have, though, man. Orthodoxy is not—it doesn't have, like, a big presence in the— you know, like the zeitgeist of the West, you know, it's just like something that gets looked over. I, I feel like Orthodox Christians are almost like, like, um, Amish people, you know, I agree. I agree. Like they're there, but they're not like there. They're not noticed. Yeah. You know, yeah, if you're, if you're one of those people that like Kyle and I, that grew up in an evangelical or Protestant church. And, um, if you've never been to a, to a Catholic service or you've never been to an Orthodox service, you might want to check it out because there's something there's something to be offered there that is not familiar to us. It has to do with uh, ritual, and it has to do with um, community, and it has to do with uh, some kind of participation in the mystical oneness. Because because being in a church is being the body of a church is something like that. Like anyway, I just think it's worth exploring, and also I think it's worth exploring. What, what, what we said earlier, which is experimenting with sacrifice. So take that with you for your homework. Uh, remember to like and subscribe and ding the bells and all that all shit. All that stuff.
Peace. We love you. Anything else, Kyle? I don't know. Did man. you ever I, remember that nah, last I'm thing? Still trying because I feel like it was a zinger. But all right, we're good. All right, see you guys. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode. <laughs>